I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses uh, 2, 21 through 24 is our main text this morning, 21 through 24, Luke 2, 21 through 24, and we're going to dip over to 39 and 40 uh, real quick too. So uh, Luke 2, 21 through 24 this morning. You know, most people want to see their children grow up to be good people, right? A lot of people want to see their kids to grow up to be good moral people. I've even seen many parents who will bring their, their kids to church and, and drop them off, or they'll let the bus come by and pick them up and bring them to church because they want their, their kids to have a, that Christian influence, that kind of Christian morality uh, in their lives. They, they may not want anything to do with church themselves, but they at least see the value in their children getting that influence in their lives, and so they want to see their kids be influenced by the church. As Christians, we should want our kids to grow up to be like Christ, right? We see the value in this all the more. And, and so as, as Christians, we want to see our kids grow up to be not just good moral people, but we want, them to see, we want to see them grow up to be like Jesus Christ, to follow him and to, to, to uh, reflect his image in this world. Now, of course, we understand that there are limitations to that, right? Christ was the sinless son of God your child is not right our children are not our children are heathens right they take after mom and daddy they're natural born heathens all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God so no matter how much you think of your little angel he or she is a heathen uh, born into sin they're not sinless they're never going to be sinless just like you never have been sinless but we want them to, to grow into the image of Jesus. We want them to, to follow Jesus and, and be disciples of Christ. So these limitations in mind then, understanding these limitations, we, we can raise our children to be Christ-like. They're not going to reflect him perfectly, but they're gonna, it, we can raise them up to be Christ-like. Now, Proverbs chapter 22, 6 kind of gets this, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so we want to raise our children to follow Jesus Christ, to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Now again, we understand that this is a general truth, and some of the greatest Christian parents have raised their kids in church and brought them up in the ways of Christ, and, and there's always those prodigals, right? There's those who make wrong decisions and they fall away from Christ but the general principle remains true typically speaking if we raise our children up in the ways of Jesus Christ they'll follow Jesus they're going to follow Jesus now how do we do this how, how do we raise our children to be Christ-like we might want to uh we might, if we don't answer this question, we might want to follow the example of Jesus' worldly parents, right? Joseph and Mary. 
Joseph and Mary actually give us a great example of what it means to be Christ-like parents who raise up Christ-like children. The Bible, you know, doesn't say much about Jesus' childhood. We have the, the birth narrative that we've been studying along the way the last couple of weeks, last few weeks. Uh, and, and then most of the Gospels go right into his adult ministry. Jesus goes down and he's baptized by John and then he enters into his adult ministry. So we get the little, uh, a few couple of little chapters on birth and then we go right into his adult ministry. Jesus is 33-ish, 30, 33 years old and, and going into ministry. Luke really is the only one who gives us any kind of insight into the childhood of Jesus Christ. And, and it's all kind of confined to Luke chapter 2. That, that's about it. What we see in 2, 21 through 52 is all that we get of Jesus' childhood and his adolescence. But as we consider these verses today, look, starting today, I want us to see the character of Joseph and Mary and how they demonstrate how to raise our children to be godly children, God-following, Christ-like children. So, uh, the sermon in a sentence this morning, the message in a sentence is this, raise Christ-like children by exemplifying godliness. How do you raise Christ-like children? By exemplifying godliness. You have to set the example, and that's what Joseph and Mary do, even in the life of Jesus. Again, Jesus is the sinless son of God, but nevertheless, right, he grew up. He had to be taught things. He, he set aside his glory, and he had to learn just like we learn. Right? He, he had to learn how to talk and how to walk and all of those things. He had to, to grow in his knowledge of the Bible, even though he wrote the Bible in eternity past. Uh, somehow, we, that confuses us. We don't understand that. Jesus wrote the Bible, but now he's having to learn the Bible as a child. Yes, that's confusing, but that's what the Bible tells us. And so Jesus raised, was raised by his earthly parents, and they taught him, they guided him in his life, and though he was the sinless son of God, we can still learn from their example, because you think about that, he had at least two other siblings, right, James, who wrote the book of James, and Jude, who wrote the book of Jude, so uh, there's at least two other examples that we had, they, they, they had other children, and, and at least those two, right, they were they became godly followers of Jesus Christ, and, and set a good example as well, so we want to look at their example today. And so today as we look at this text, we're going to see two primary ways to exemplify godliness to your children and your children's children, right? We have a lot of grandparents in here, not just your children. Maybe your children are, are grown and they're out of the house, but still you can set the example for your children as they're adults. You can set the example for your, your, your grandchildren and even your great-grandchildren as you, as you live out godliness in your own life. So... I want us to see that today. So if you found your place there in Luke chapter 2, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Starting in verse 21, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, purification according to the law of Moses when they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord 
and they offer and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And now, now there were, uh, now there was a man in Jerusalem. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry, that's where we stopped. Sorry. So, uh, they offered up, up to, according to the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now let me skip over here to verse 39. Verse 39. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your holy and inspired and inerrant word. Lord, as we look at Jesus' adolescence, Lord, as his... He's growing up, Lord. Just I pray that you would teach us. As we see how Joseph, Joseph and Mary followed you, they were obedient to your, your will and your word, Lord. Just pray that you would teach us, Lord. Lord, may we as, as Christian parents here today, may we look at their example. And Lord, may we set in our hearts to, to be godly examples to our children and to our children's children, Lord. Let us leave a legacy, not of worldly possessions, not of worldly accolades, but let us leave a, a legacy of godliness, of Christ-likeness in the generations to come. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So we are, there, there's a, a good bit here that we're skipping, but we're going to come back that next week uh, so we're, we're gonna we're not gonna just skip over it and pass by it, but uh, all of this is kind of grouped together in one narrative but I want to focus in today just on Joseph and Mary and their wonderful example of godliness as they exemplify godliness to not only Jesus but to all of their children well, as we, we look at this how do you raise Christ-like children first I want us to see first of all Raise Christ-like children by exemplifying godliness through obedient faith. Raise Christ-like children by exemplifying godliness through obedient faith. And we see that in that first sentence that we read there. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, if you remember... And that uh, as we, we started this Christmas series, we, we started back there, well, first of all, with Zechariah, but then we got to Mary and her encounter with the angel Gabriel and how the, the angel Gabriel instructed her, right? She was going to name the, the child Jesus. And Mary believed the angel. She believed the word of the Lord. She believed Gabriel and followed him. See, Joseph and Mary both demonstrate obedient faith. They demonstrate obedient faith. Let's just go back there real quick, back uh, chapter 1, verse 30 and 31. Here's what we find there. And the angel said to her, said to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom and of his kingdom there will be no end. And I love this next part here. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? How will this be? And Mary hears this just outstanding news, right? This is extraordinary news. Mary, you're going to conceive and bear a child, the very Son of God. You're going to bear this child. And she says, well, how will this be? How will, I believe this is going to happen because I can see that you're an angel of the Lord. You're a messenger of the Lord. Uh, and, and, and you're bringing me the word of God, and I believe God. But how will this be? Because I'm a virgin. I've never, never known a man. How will this be? How will God accomplish this? Mary's response right then and there is a response of faith. She believed God. We see the same thing taking place with, with Joseph. Joseph demonstrates this same kind of obedient faith, this same kind of saving faith. But for Joseph, we've got to flip over to Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. And here, Joseph, let me just kind of set the context. Joseph is here. He, he's discovered that Mary's pregnant at this point. So she, she's already conceived. She's come to a point where she's, it's obvious she's pregnant. She's showing. And so Joseph is thinking, well, now, she must have been unfaithful because otherwise, how would she be pregnant? And so he's a, a righteous man. He's a good-hearted man. And so he's trying to figure out what to do, and he's kind of determined to to put Mary away, to divorce her silently because he doesn't want to bring any more shame onto her. So he's trying to do right by her and he's contemplating these things and then the angel comes to him and this is verse 20, Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means salvation, for he will save his people from their sins. And again, that next verse there, verse 22, and this took place to fulfill what the Lord uh, had spoken to the prophet. And going on down there to verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Here again, Joseph, how does this happen? I mean, he, he finds his young bride uh, who, who's been betrothed to him, pregnant. How did this happen? Well, she must have been unfaithful, but then the word of the Lord comes, and he believes God. He believes God. And he obeys God. He goes and he takes Mary and, and he marries her. He takes her to be his wife. And he takes Jesus to be his, his earthly son. And he follows in obedience to the word of God. He believes, right? He believes and obeys according to his faith. And then we see it in our own text in uh, chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. 
when Jesus is born and they present him to be circumcised, that was kind of on the eighth day when they, they take him in to be circumcised, that was the day that you named the child, right? You, you didn't just, you, he wasn't born and then immediately you put a name on him. You waited until the eighth day when he was circumcised and on the eighth day you name your children. That's the way they did it in first century uh, Israel. And so when the time came, what are we going to name him? What are we going to name him? What are we going to name him? There was no question for Joseph and Mary. His name is Jesus. Now, this was absolutely countercultural. This was countercultural. And, and we understand this. This is, kinda, this is one of those that we did kind of skip over. But if you go back to Luke chapter 1, verse 57, Luke 1, 57, you see the birth of John the Baptist here. And when John the Baptist was born, they kind of go through the same thing. On the eighth day, they take John in to have him circumcised and to, to give him his name. And uh, Luke 1, 57, we see there that now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah, after his father, because that was what you did in first century Israel, you named him after the father, but his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted, to call, wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. His name is John. Why? Because the Lord said, Elizabeth is going to bear a son, and you're going to name his name John. Because he's a forerunner of the Messiah. And Zechariah obeyed God. He and Elizabeth believed God, and they obeyed God because of their faith in God. They trusted God's, God's wisdom. And so even though it's countercultural. Joseph and Mary, when it comes time to, for Jesus to be named, they don't name him Joseph. I don't care what the Lord says. I'm going to name him Joseph because he, he's the firstborn, right? No. They live in obedience to God. Even though their relatives and their friends, they're, they're kind of scratching their head. Why are you naming him Jesus? Why are you doing this? Because they're living in faithful obedience to God they believe God and they're acting accordingly to their faith they're demonstrating the same kind of obedient faith that that Abraham de demonstrated Abraham chapter or excuse me Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 and Abraham believed the Lord when the Lord brought Abraham out of his tent and said, look at the sky, look at the stars, Abraham. Count them in your, if you can. So shall your offspring be. Abraham looked up the sky and he believed God. Yes, God is true. God can do this. God will do this. And he believed God. And his faith was counted to him as righteousness. And because he believed God, he began to just demonstrate that. He began to live out that faith in his life. He demonstrated obedient faith. Obedient faith. 
you want your children to grow to be Christ-like, then you need to exemplify, first and foremost, obedient faith. That is saving faith. It's saving faith. It's believing God, believing that God sent his son Jesus Christ to come to this world, to be born of the Virgin Mary. Just like we're celebrating now in this Christmas season, we believe that God sent his son to be born of the Virgin, to live for us in sinless perfection. And then, even though he was without sin, he willingly went to Calvary's cross, and on Calvary's cross, he died for our sins. And he was raised three days later to show that all of our sin had been paid for. Believe God. Believe God. Believe God's message of salvation. Trust God. Believe him. Be saved. And then allow your life to live out that faith day after day. Live in obedient faith. If you want to raise Christ-like children, it begins with you trusting in Jesus and surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. It must begin with you. Yes, your, your children, God through his providence can, can bring your children. If you drop your children off at church and, and just let them be influenced by the church, I mean, God through his providence can bring them to know Christ and, and, and raise them up to be Christ-like. But greater still, if they have that demonstration in your life, do you believe God? Do you trust in his message of salvation, his promise of salvation in Jesus Christ? Surrender to Christ. Your obedient faith is the first step in your children learning obedient faith. Raise Christ-like children by demonstrating godliness through your own obedient faith. Second, raise Christ-like children by exemplifying godliness through obedience to God's word. Raise Christ-like children by exemplifying godliness through obedience to God's word. We see this in that next little chapter there or that next little paragraph, rather, and really uh, throughout, but we're going to focus on this little paragraph because it, it gives us a good picture of Joseph and Mary's obedience to God's word. Notice what it says there. And when the time came for the, their purification, according to the law of Moses, that was the, the word of God that they had at that time, they brought him, they brought Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves, two young pigeons. So they did this. They followed the word of the Lord. And if you want to go on and see this even more, uh, look over there at verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem. This is... Thirteen years later, they go to Jerusalem uh, every year at the Feast of Passover. So, so they demonstrate throughout their lives, they're, they're living in obedience to, to God's law. His word, the word that they had at that time. They're living in obedience to God's word. Now, what we see here in verses 22 through 24 is hammered out for us or is presented to us in Leviticus chapter 12 Leviticus chapter 12 
And uh, Leviticus is one of those that uh, it, it usually wrecks reading programs, right? People, they start, I'm, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. And they get, whoo, boy, they hit it hard. And they get through Genesis. And uh, Genesis is pretty good. All right, that was, that was interesting. I enjoyed that. They get to Exodus. Whoo, man, that was great hearing about all the plagues and all that. And, and then they get to Leviticus. And whew, that's the stopper right there. You start going through all of these laws and everything, and, and you get weighed down by them. Uh, but Leviticus is, is good, and we need to push through. Uh, and, and here's one of those things that we see, because if we don't understand Leviticus, then we don't understand what's happening back there in Luke when uh, Joseph and Mary are doing all these things according to the law of the Lord. But in Leviticus chapter 12, we see what, what's taking place. So here's the word of the Lord in Leviticus chapter 12. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days. That is, she, she was purely unclean. She couldn't go into the temple. She couldn't worship God. She was unclean for seven days. At that time, uh, or excuse me, as at the time of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the child, uh, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. So, on the eighth day, they circumcised Jesus according to the word of the law. Then she shall continue for 33 days, 33 days in the blood of her purifying. She shall not touch anything holy nor come into the sanctuary until the day of her, of her purifying are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean two weeks as in her menstruation. And she shall continue in the blood of her purifying for 66 days. And when the days of her purifying are complete, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb, a year old, for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And she shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle, turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. And so what do we see in Luke chapter Two, we see Joseph and Mary doing this, right? They're living in obedience to God's law. This is what God's law says we should do. And they live in obedience to God's word. They follow God. They've already demonstrated faithful obedience. Right? They, they demonstrated their faith in God. They believe God. It was counted to them as righteousness. Now they're living out their obedience. They're living out their faith by being obedient to God's word. Now, we don't have to do all of this kind of stuff because Jesus came and he's the fulfillment of all those Old Testament sacrifices, the sacrifice for atonement and, and all of that. He is the Passover lamb. So Jesus has come and he's fulfilled all of that. All of that stuff 
was just a precursor to Jesus, to point people to, to Jesus who would come and be the ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice that was made once and for all, for all who believe in him. But we see here at this time, Mary and Joseph, they're living in obedience to God's word. They're obeying God's word. And they're demonstrating their obedience to their children. And they're showing them how to be faithful followers of God by living in obedience to God's word. Now I want you to notice here, raising Christ like children has nothing to do with how well off you are. Right? It has nothing to do with how well off you are. Joseph and Mary were poor. Right? Notice that, that last little part there. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. Notice what Luke says. Luke says that they, what, they bring a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That's what they bring. They bring the poor person's sacrifice because they're poor. They're broke. They can't offer Jesus everything that the, his heart desires. They can't offer Jesus the best education. They can't offer Jesus the best things this world has to offer. You see, the world has told us that if we want to bless our kids, then we have to give them the very best we can. Right? We have to give them the very best we can. But let me tell you something. The very best has nothing to do with how much stuff they have. The very best doesn't even have to do with how good of an education you are able to provide for them. The very best is Jesus Christ. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. If you have a million dollars or two dollars or no dollars in the bank, it doesn't matter. That doesn't hinder you one bit from giving your children the very best because the very best is not in the bank. The very best is not at Dillard's. The very best is not at any school. The very best is Jesus Christ. If you can give your children Jesus and you raise them to trust in Jesus, and to follow Jesus, then you've given them the very best. Not the very best this world has to offer, the very best that God has to offer. So yes, give your children the very best. Give them Jesus. Give them Jesus by exemplifying faith, by exemplifying obedience, by, by living out your life in obedience to the word of God. Now, understand, I'm not talking about legalism here. I'm not talking about, about living obedience to, to, to God's word so that you can win God's approval and, and earn salvation. No, we understand. That's not it. But Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will follow me. Because if you love me, you understand my love for you. And, and my love for you means that I want the very best for you. And my word, my commandments are the very best. Right? If you want the very best in life, don't chase the things of this world. Follow God's word. Follow God's word. 
live in obedience to God because this is what God made you to be. This is the very best. Because this tells us about Jesus. It teaches us more about Jesus. It teaches us to be like Jesus. So raise Christ-like children by exemplifying godliness to your children through obedience to God's word. By living obedience to God's word. I want you to understand that do as I say and not as I do, it doesn't fly. It doesn't fly. A lot of people take that approach. They, they live, they cuss, and do all these kinds of things, and, and they don't demonstrate Christ-likeness to their children, but then when their children uh, cuss and do all of these crazy things, oh, you shouldn't do that. Do as I say, not as I do, but that never flies. Because ultimately, your children are going to follow your example. And however you live before your children, that's how they're going to grow up to be. They're going to follow your example. So demonstrate obedience. Obedience to God's word. Show them what it means to be Christ-like. Raise Christ-like children by exemplifying godliness through obedience to God's word. And know it won't be the popular move. It's not going to be the most popular thing to do. Because when people see you being obedient to God's word, why do you do that? Why do you do that? I don't understand. Why, why do you live like that? Why, why, do you, why do you not drink? Why do you not go out and get drunk? I mean, uh, that, it's fun. Why don't you go do that? Why don't you go to church every Sunday? Why do you observe the Sabbath? Why do you uh, go and worship God every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday? Why do you do that? Why don't you go to the ball game? Why don't you go fishing? Why don't you go hunting instead of going to church every Sunday? Why are you so nice? Why don't you be mean? Why don't you get mean every now and again and, and talk hateful to people? I mean, people just run all over you if you're nice all the time. Why don't you be hateful? People don't understand that. And when Christians truly live out God's Word, live in obedience to God... There will be persecution. There will be persecution. People will talk bad about you. They will laugh at you. They will think you are absolutely ridiculous for doing the things that you do. They will. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, it doesn't say might be persecuted. It says that you will be persecuted. Right? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. You will be persecuted. Because the world doesn't understand that. They don't get it. But nevertheless, we are to live in obedience to, to God's word. We're to live out our faith by trusting God and living, living in obedience to his word. So raise Christ-like children by exemplifying godliness through obedience to God's word. Here's, here's, the, here's the thing, right? The sum of it all. Raise Christ-like children by exemplifying Christ-likeness. 
You want your children to grow up to be like Jesus Christ? Exemplify Christ-likeness to them. Show them what it means to live in obedience to Christ. Show them what it means to, to live like Jesus, to be like him, to be a disciple of Christ, and to follow Christ in this lost and dying world. You want Christ-like children, exemplify Christ-likeness to them. And the chances are they will follow your model. They'll follow your example. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the example that you give us in Jesus. We're thankful for your word, that in your word you you reveal to us the life of Jesus and how Jesus lived in obedience to, to your will all the days of his life. He was perfectly obedient to you. Even unto death. Death on Calvary's cross where he died for us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, as Christians, we pray, Lord. I know every Christian parent here, they desire for their kids to grow up to be like Jesus, to know Jesus, first and foremost, to know Jesus and the, the power of his salvation and to follow Jesus. Father, we know and recognize the difficulty of that. But Lord, we pray that you would give us power and strength to, to live in obedience to, to your word, Lord. To demonstrate Christ's likeness to our children and our children's children. Lord, we pray that our kids would grow up to be like Jesus, to know him and to trust him and to follow him all the days of their life. May they be lights of the gospel in a dark and dying world. And Lord, if there are those today listening to this message who have never trusted in Jesus, Lord, I pray that they would turn their hearts to Christ today to believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, and surrender to his will. Now these things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.